This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Tuesday, the 16th day of March, 2021. Hi there. Mark Congleton here, your sometimes humble host for this daily dose of observation, insight, and absurdity. (laughs) And yes, it is absurd today. Oh my goodness. I hope you're doing well. Hope uh, your your loved ones, you and yours, are doing well. Everybody is happy. And everybody is safe. It is um, a Tuesday edition of the podcast. It's a rainy day, but it's not a Monday, so it's not a Carpenter's Day here. It's a, uh, it's a rainy week where we are. We have weather systems of which have decided to come in and camp out because they just love it here. <laughs> hey, let's go down there to the sunny Southlands and uh, hang out for a while. It's no longer sunny. It's uh, gray. It's rainy. And I'm really wishing I got the grass mode yesterday. But uh, <laughs> the, the best laid plans, I guess. Am I mice, men? I don't know. Anyway, yesterday, part of the plan was actually to get the grass mode at least well, at least part of the grass mode yesterday, the part that you can see from the street, and um, and uh, at least neaten it up because there's some weeds popping up, and it's just you know things are starting to happen. The grass itself is not getting greened up yet, but other things are. Uh, other things are making themselves happy, and they're waving in the breeze. And I need to get out there and get that done. After all, I've got the the I've got the new lawn boy, not new new to me, but I've got the uh, the uh, the new. Uh, uh, the lawnmower out there, lawn boy. Gosh, it's been a long time since I used that one. <laughs> the John Deere, I should say, and it's ready to roll. And um, I just got wrapped up in production work yesterday, and then looked at the clock and realized, oh my gosh, I've got to go thirty miles away and and take care of some business. And then uh, when when I got back towards towards the homestead after that, it was beginning to rain. And uh, everything was getting wet. Eh, so that blew that. And it's it looks like it's going to be with us for the week. So there's that. You know, it's, it's the time for the change of seasons. It just is. And hopefully you've got a sunny day where you are. Hopefully life is good. The sunshine is, is going to bless you today. And, and you will have a wonderful day. Uh, as for the podcast here, mm, 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 mm. I'm looking over the list of things to talk about today. We won't get to everything. We never do. But uh, but it kicks off with something that that I think, i got to be honest with you, I think, I don't know if it's newsworthy or not, but we'll give it a shot. This just in, actually last night, Don Lemon at CNN has made his opinion known about a judgment made by the Catholic Church. He says it's high time for the Catholic Church to re-examine its teachings and admit that God is not about hindering or even judging people. Really? The newly engaged gay at CNN host told ABC's The View yesterday, The View, which, which is populated by people, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm telling you, if, if there could be any denser person on the planet than Joy Behar, I don't know who that actually could be, at least that I've not personally met. Anyway, he was on The View yesterday, said he was none too thrilled with a story on the Vatican's orthodoxy uh, office, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, and its reaffirmation of the basic 
Catholic catechism. Quote, we learned that the Vatican has said that the Catholic Church won't bless same-sex unions, quote, since God cannot bless sin. That's what co-host Megan McCain said. They go on to say this does not imply a judgment on persons, but I want to know, do you think this sends a damaging message? And how do you feel about that, given that obviously you are engaged and going to get married? Mr. Lemon replied by saying the nation should start thinking about applying rights and freedoms in a broader sense beyond those codified into law by the U.S. Constitution. Remember what I said yesterday about those who ignore the law and those who believe that the U.S. Constitution is a document of hindrances to life? Mm-hmm. Quote, if you believe in something that hurts another person or does that does not give someone the same rights or freedoms, not necessarily under the Constitution because this is under God, I think that's, that that's wrong. And I think that the Catholic Church and many other churches really need to examine themselves and their teachings because that is not what God is about. God is not about hindering people or even judging people. <gasps> really? Hmm. We, we'll come back to that, okay? We, we, trust me, we're coming back to that statement. The CNN host then said that organized religion is a hindrance to civil society, reaching its full potential. Quote, I think that religion and the pew keeps us from actually, they're barriers from people actually getting to know each other. So I would say to the Pope and the Vatican and to all Christians or Catholics or whomever, whatever religion you believe you happen to belong to out there, Go out there and meet people. The church's statement specifically noted that same-sex unions cannot be blessed in part because said couples cannot naturally propagate new life. Quote, The presence in such relationships of positive elements which are in themselves to be valued and appreciated cannot justify these relationships and render them legitimate objects of an ecclesial, uh, ecclesial blessing since the positive elements exist within the context of a union not ordered to the Creator's plan. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith's response to an inquiry noted. Now, Mr. Lemon disagrees with God. He disagrees with... <laughs> he disagrees with the Catholic Church. Now, you may disagree with the Catholic Church. I disagree with the Catholic Church on a, on a handful of things. You may disagree with the Southern Baptist Church. You may disagree with the Methodist or Episcopalian, or, Lithuanian, or, 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 or Lutheran, or, or whatever. You may disagree with whatever church denomination. But I just got to say that Mr. Lemon here is typical of those of his mindset who want to believe that something is acceptable in spite of the preponderance of contradiction to that fact, to that claim. And he clearly chooses to believe that God is a touchy-feely, oh, bless you anyway, in spite of everything, I'm not here to hold you back, kind of creator. But we have history recorded, biblical history recorded, which kind of indicates the opposite to be the fact. You see, even though 
Mr. Lemon says God is not about hindering or even judging people, the entire the entirety of the Old Testament provides a record which contradicts what Mr. Lemon would like to be so. In fact, if Don Lemon is right, then it's possible that something would possibly have to change. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, this just in. God watches CNN apologizes to Sodom and Gomorrah. Don Lemon. You know, I actually had a website at one point. The name of the website is donlemonisaweepyidiot.com. And I used to keep it updated. I kept it updated for quite a while with the latest idiocy coming from the mouth of Don Lemon, who has been known to weep on the air, who has been known to, let's see, didn't he on a New Year's broadcast, a New Year's Eve broadcast, get drunk on the air? Hasn't he exhibited a great many lapses in rational judgment on the air? Yes, he has. Don Lemon now purports to be the expert about spiritual matters. But let me let me give you a little news flash, Mr. Lemon. One day you will stand before God and God will tell you that what mattered was not your opinion of him but your surrendering to him. And hopefully someday, Mr. Lemon, you will understand that everything that raises itself against the way God has designed things to operate is considered sin. Everything. And when you are, when you are justifying your sin, you're not proving that God is wrong. You're just distancing yourself even further from him. And I am not here to judge you. That's not my place. I am just here to say that if you continue walking in the path that you are on, that you will at some point stand before him and he will look at you and tell you he doesn't know you because you chose to follow your emotions. You chose to follow your desires. You, to sh- you chose to follow a path in the darkness, making up the rules as you went, rather than living in the light. He so lovingly provides for all who will follow him. You've raised your fist against those who try to tell you that you're walking around the wrong path. You resist those who try to warn you. You condemn those who try to caution you. And one day, that will all come to a screeching halt at the end of all time for you. Unless, unless you abandon your pride. And you admit the truth. And sadly, I've seen this so many times, and and that is that those who have decided to deceive themselves and to continue to justify their self-deception in life, those who do this, like Don Lemon, 
they will say, well, God's not about that. And they have no idea what God is about because they continue to push themselves further and further away from him and the way he has designed life to be lived. They are making it up as they go, groping their way along through life in the dark and bravely pretending that they've got a grip on everything and they know better. And they are not people to follow. Don't follow people who are lost. Don Lemon is deeply and sadly lost. As I said before, I I don't agree with everything that any mainline denomination has to say because I'm honestly, as a believer, I'm not, I'm just not a church culture person. I have a personal relationship, not a religious relationship. And that is the difference for me. And so what any denomination declares to be the truth, I will immediately check against the final authority, which is the Bible itself and the relationship I have with the one who is written about through its pages. And when someone like Don Lemon attempts to tell me about the personality of the one I have a relationship with, it's clear to me he does not have that relationship and he does not know this one. And it's a very sad thing for him. As I said, I don't condemn this guy. I actually have a lot of pity on him because he really believes, defiantly so, that he is right. And unless he comes to the realization that he is not, and that he is not the author of his life and the final judge of his life, One day he will stand before the author and final judge of his life and be shocked with what he learns. That everyone who lovingly tried to correct him was right. Everyone he condemned for trying to nudge him in the right direction was right. And they did so not because they hated him, but because they wanted to spare him the end result of his arrogance. It's the Tuesday edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast for March 16th, 2021. This just in. Grammy ratings tanked this year. In 2020, 18.7 million people watched it. This year, 7.9. People are indeed tired of woke elitists telling them how to live their lives. And they're tired of the broadcast display of debauchery. People generally are sick and tired of the freak show trying to run everything else. And there's really no other way I can put that. It is the freak show. And they are telling people, eh, this is the way to go. No. No, they're, they're, people don't like being preached at by 
people who are clearly not mentally healthy. And that's what happens when we watch these award shows. We see people who have serious mental issues who don't understand the real world or how the real world works or how real people live their lives in the real world. And those people stand on a stage at a microphone in front of, in front of television cameras and then condemn everyone for just being normal. And people are sick of it. In fact, I, th- there are some people that I have, uh, I have followed for a while with a political interest who who can't seem to just walk away from the entertainment business they they've got to talk about the latest gossip they've got to talk about what the latest what the what idiocy the latest person has done and i'll do that from time to time myself so you know it's it's like i'm pointing that finger and i've got more pointing back at me but but i i the, stop giving these people daylight stop giving them the spotlight Stop giving them publicity. Just stop. These people are not normal people. They shouldn't be held up in any way, shape, or form except to say, look at this. This is wrong. And that's the only light they should be getting. The only light. And I I say that to my conservative friends who possibly could be doing similar things to what I'm doing here. Unless you're unless you're somehow highlighting the abnormality of the entertainment industry, let the entertainment industry fold in on itself and collapse. Just let it, because our society, by and large, is addicted to entertainment. We, if you don't think so, if you don't think so, you should get out of the house, because honestly, you just about go anywhere and you see people with their faces in their mobile devices, watching YouTube videos, watching something. They have something entertaining them. They have a, go to a restaurant and look around at the tables and you will see small children, not itty bitties, but sometimes they are, but little children. And the way they're pacified is by entertainment. They're given a mobile device of some sort with cartoons on it and they're mesmerized by it and that keeps them quiet. Instead of interacting with the children or possibly, oh dear Lord, possibly learning that there is a, a certain age you should shoot for before you take the kids to sit in a restaurant. And I'm not being heartless and cruel and, me, and a mean old man. I'm just saying there was a day when you didn't take babies and toddlers into public places like this because those babies and toddlers don't understand what it means to be polite and not to be the center of attention and not to demand things and to, and to create, create scenes. You just wait until they're of an age enough to understand that when you give them the look, they'd better be quiet because they've crossed a line. And that's not being cruel or mean. As I said, it's just parenting. But yet, now we'll take them out in public and toss them the iPad or the, or the, the phone or something and say, hey, oh, oh here, here's your cartoon, and that'll keep them quiet for a few minutes, and you'll be happy. Instead of finding ways to engage them or possibly just denying yourself the pleasure of doing certain things until the little ones are old enough to understand the environment they're in and to act accordingly. That may seem, that may seem restrictive and, and cruel to you, but there was a day when 
you didn't see little kids at the movie theater with their parents to see movies that are obviously rated above their heads, which is something you see all the time now. You didn't see little children in restaurants the way you do now. And I, when I mean little ones, I mean little ones who can't be quiet, who, can't, who, who don't understand the value, the importance of respect for others. And they're, it, it, it's different from age to age. You need to know your own child. But still, people today are so concerned with getting out and satisfying themselves that they'll drag their little kids along with them and put them into an environment which they don't, don't honestly understand how to cope with. And as a result, everybody's a little bit stressed. And what do they do? They give them entertainment to keep them quiet. And from that young age up, those, the, the, we are more and more addicted being entertained and we are in a society which is in a society which is addicted to entertainment and if we can't be entertained then we're unhappy and unsettled and that's one of the reasons i encourage you as i do on fridays usually to get away and unplug to go for some time and don't take the entertainment with you don't take the music with you don't take anything with you just go find the quiet somewhere because you have to do that otherwise you become addicted to the noise and the noise is not good. Not good at all. Moving along. I know this is going to come as a shock to you. I know this is going to probably change the way you see the entire world around you. But I have to say it. The Washington Post is lying. It lies all the time. <laughs> and you knew that, I know. But you know that the Democrats based their, they based their impeachment effort on a claim about a December phone call between then-President Donald Trump and a top Georgia official saying that he told them to go find the fraud. And he kept saying, nope, that's not how the, thing, that's not how the conversation went. The people on the other end of the conversation said, nope, that's not how the conversation went. But everybody ignored those people and listened to the Washington Post. That controversial December phone call between then-President Donald Trump and a top Georgia official was initially misquoted by the Washington Post, then widely disseminated before the release of the call's audio last week, prompted a major mea culpa. Audio of the approximately six-minute call between Trump and Francis Watson, the chief investigator of the Georgia Secretary of State's office, was published by the Wall Street Journal on March 11th. And it shows Trump never told anyone on the call to find the fraud, as was reported by leftist lying media at the time. In the recording of the December 23rd call, Trump told Watson she had the most important job in the country at that time, and urged, to, urged, her to in, urged her investigators to review signatures going back several years, according to the recording. The journal reported, while her audit was focused on Cobb County, he said she should look at Fulton County, the state's most populous county, and that includes most of Atlanta. The recording showed that Trump said, if you can get to Fulton, you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable. Later on March 11th, the Post, above its report about the newly released audio, added a correction for its original story, which said the recording revealed 
that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. It said Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the most important job in the country right now. The Washington Post said both the headline and the text of the original story, quote, have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to, to Trump. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Will, Willis is conducting a criminal investigation into Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the November 3rd election. Based on what? Based on the Washington Post reporting and the claims of lying leftists. The Georgia Secretary of State's office is also conducting a probe after multiple calls Trump made to Georgia state officials about tracking down potential voter fraud that could flip the presidential vote. They will not give this up in spite of the evidence to the contrary. You just need to know that. That they will continue claiming that there was a fraudulent effort by the president. And it's all a distraction. They don't want you to know about the depth of dishonesty and criminal behavior that goes on when the Democrats are in election mode. And just so you know it, the Democrats are in election mode all the time. They're constantly in deception mode. It's the Daily's Perspective Podcast. Hitting the halfway point for this Tuesday edition. Do I sound a little grumpy today? <laughs> I'm thinking about it, I really do sound like I'm a bit cranky today. <laughs> I'm coming off that way, I apologize. But... Damn. I'm feeling a little under the weather, and that's probably why. It's, um, and no, it's not COVID. It's, it's a recurring thing I have to deal with from time to time. And when it hits, I just, I just want to go sit in the recliner and snooze. It's just, so, right now my body is screaming at me, go sit in your recliner and snooze. <laughs> it's making me mad. Um, hey, something else that makes me mad is all of this junk that's going on about COVID. We're... The people in the United States are fed up. We're we're tired of being told what to do. We're tired of all the contradictory things. We're tired of seeing Dr. Anthony Fauci lift up lifted up as though he's some sort of a saint. We're tired about people screeching at us, the the all of the Karens in the world pointing their bony fingers of righteous indignation at us and and saying, you, you trust the science, man. And we're we're just tired of the insanity. And the 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 we we have a lot of doubts because we keep seeing contradiction and a lot of people just don't believe what they're being told i'm one of them i don't believe what we're being told and the thing is that like i go places and i talk to people like i sit down and get my hair cut and i'm chit-chatting with the girls cutting my hair and 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 she's talking about how she doesn't believe all of the junk they're being told and and uh because the thing is that when you when you what you see with your own eyes happening kind of disagrees with what they're telling you and so it, 
six feet you got to stay six feet away now it's three feet away then it first it was no masks then it was well masks and then it was oh but maybe two masks will be better or maybe you just don't know and then and then yesterday we talked about how um people were were upset that president trump didn't publicly get the vaccination he didn't sit in front of a camera like all of these other politicians who feel it necessary to put on a show whenever they do something, say, I'm doing this for the good of the people. I'm getting a shot. Ow, that hurt. And they, they don't, he didn't do that. He got the shot, but he didn't do it. And my question was, wait a minute, didn't he have COVID? Don't, don't we have studies that show if you've had COVID that you don't get it again? Didn't, wasn't that the whole thing about herd immunity? Wasn't that the whole thing about about getting people over this hump so that that we could we could get back to normal life again what wasn't that part of it hmm. well over at theblaze.com <laughs> daniel horowitz has written an article that's pretty interesting it says why should the estimated one-third of americans who have already contracted the virus still be treated like ticking time bombs how much longer will the government get away with denying the science behind immunity from infection. The isolation of all human beings as a strategy to deal with this virus began with the novel assumption of mass asymptomatic spread, a hypothesis now disproven by studies on transmission. Now the mandatory masking and isolation are continuing without question based on a shocking lie that the one-third of the country who have already gotten the virus, despite the masks and lockdowns, by the way, are not immune to the virus. As more and more studies have come out showing that prior infection confers long-lasting immunity, not just the 90 days we are told by the government, the purveyors of panic and tyranny have sought to use the focus on several supposedly new variants to deny the presumed immunity from prior infection. Now, you, you, this is a conversation, a conversation I've had with my wife a couple of times. Have you heard about this new strain, strain, this new variant that's coming from England? Have you heard about this new one that's coming from Africa? Have you ever? It's because they keep dropping little seeds of fear out there to keep people scared. And if they can keep them scared, they keep them in line. Hmm. However, a new comprehensive study from Harvard Medical School and Boston University researchers should put the latest myth to the test. The researchers took blood samples from people who have had the virus from March 3rd to April 1st, 2020, long before the new variants were discovered, which allowed them pres to presume they all had the original Wuhan strain. They found the S-specific memory B cells conferring robustness against emerging SARS-CoV-2 variants. That's... <laughs> That's the U.K. and South African variants. Loss of protection against overt or severe disease is not an inevitable consequence of a, a waning serum antibody tear, wrote the authors. I know there's a lot of technical lingo in here, but just deal with it. This atlas of B-cell memory, therefore, maps systematically a crucial component of the long-term immune response to SARS-CoV-2 infection. In other words... The inherent immune system full of B cells, in addition to T cells, provides robust immunity not just long after the antibody uh, have, uh, has waned from the original infection, but also against emerging strains of the virus. So 
to to kind of sum that up, they got samples from originally infected people with the the original Wuhan strain and tested it against these new var- uh, variants and found out that that immunity still holds up. They're still immune even to the new strains because they had the original. Which begs the question, what's the big deal about President Trump not getting the shot in person? He had the original Wuhan strain. He got over it. He's immune to the rest. Oh, but you should have done that. He should have done that just to show the people that it's good. Really? Once again, you've just proven that you believe the people are too stupid to make decisions on their own. They must have a celebrity lead them, which is exactly what you're saying, because your political icons are all celebrities. They're all in the limelight. They're all in the spotlight. They're all on the camera. They're looking for that public exposure. They're all celebrities in that sense, which is one of the big problems with our government today, maybe the biggest Now, there has been a lot of discussion about whether the vaccine brings immunity against new variants. But the more important fact is that previous infection does give such immunity, as is the case with nearly every virus there is. Indeed, cases have plummeted in South Africa and England precisely since the new variants have been discovered which would be difficult without natural immunity from the prior waves of infection working against the new variants. In Denmark, the UK variant represents about three-quarters of all cases. Yet the country is averaging one death per day over the past week or so. The same holds true for a number of states in the United States. A retrospective observational study of uh, 14,840 COVID-19 survivors in Austria has found that just a 0.27 reinfection rate occurs during that second wave. That's just over a quarter of 1%. Protection against SARS-CoV-2 after natural infection is comparable to the highest available estimates on vaccine efficacies. So concludes the study. It was published in the European Journal of Clinical Investigation. It's also important to remember that, as with other viruses, immunity doesn't necessarily mean you can't test positive again, but that you won't experience serious symptoms even if you do. The goal isn't to prevent colds and flus, remember, but to preempt serious illness and death. The authors of the Austrian study said... With follow-up on mortality available until December 23rd, only one 72-year-old woman died two days after her tentative reinfection diagnosis. One. She was not hospitalized, and according to her medical records, her cause of death, acute vascular occlusion of an extremity, was not casually attributed to the COVID-19. So they couldn't even really directly (laughs) attribute it to COVID-19. Now, the LA Times reported back in February, last month, with an estimated 35% of Americans already infected, that would be up to 50% in L.A., the biggest factor driving the plummeting of cases, paradoxically, is something the nation spent last year trying to prevent. 
That's herd immunity. As illogical as it was to lock down all Americans last year, regardless of whether they were sick, it's downright insane to continue masking people who already had the virus and have no current symptoms. We've already learned from reams of medical research that asymptomatic individuals rarely drive outbreaks. Coupled with already having been infected, the likelihood of a, of a recovered COVID patient both getting the virus and transmitting it is so low that it makes further masking of these people unconscionable. With this thought fresh in your mind, now consider the insane abuse our government continues to foist upon kids by masking them seven hours a day in school. You can have a child who already had the virus and currently has no symptoms, yet that child is still forced to wear a mask. What's worse, with mass testing of kids, yet extremely low rates of infection in recent weeks, the chance of false positives is extremely high. Last week, Professor John Deeks, he's a biostatistician uh, from the University of Birmingham, told the UK Telegraph, quote, it seems likely that over 70% of positive test results are false positives, potentially many more. So children continue to be masked or even removed from school with no symptoms based on faulty testing predicated on a false assumption of mass asymptomatic spread when so many of them already have immunity. In other words, this cycle can go on forever. Just how big a lie is mass asymptomatic spread? Okay, well, last month, the Federalist, Georgie Boorman, observed how the CDC mistakenly admitted that its entire premise of masking and isolating asymptomatic people is based on a lie. While finally acknowledging in its January 29 report the fact of insignificant levels of spread in schools, the CDC let the following genie out of the bottle. Quote, Children might be more likely to be asymptomatic carriers of COVID-19 than are adults. This apparent lack of transmission in schools is consistent with recent research, which found an asymptomatic attack rate of only 0.7% within households and a lower rate of transmission from children than from adults. However, this study was unable to rule out asymptomatic transmission within the school setting because surveillance testing was not conducted. Lack of transmission is consistent with recent research. That research found an asymptomatic attack rate of only 0.7%. So when it comes to explaining why kids rarely spread the virus, the CDC settled on the principle that children usually get infected asymptomatically, which means very little transmission. That would apply to adults who don't have symptoms too, but the CDC will never concede that point. In fact, the low rate of transmission in that study includes both asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic cases. Nevertheless, despite the CDC admitting that kids, especially young kids, are not vectors of spread, it updated its guidance to continue recommending that children as young as two, babies, wear masks at child care facilities, except for when they're eating and sleeping. What's the legal justification of using the cops to power a quarantine against these people? Is there legal justification? I think not. Now that was cool.
thought I was supposed to have like three minutes there. Where'd they all go? It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. <laughs> Good to have you along today. Sliding into the final segment for this Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. Back to what we were talking about before, with so many people already having had the virus, feeling healthy. What's the legal justification for using the police power of quarantine against those people? The answer is there is none. There never has been a legitimate constitutional authority. But that didn't stop them from doing it anyway. In other words, if we don't end this tyranny, and this is what it is, it's tyranny. We don't end this tyranny now. It will never end because quarantine and masking are no longer a means but an end. Have you seen the video of the 65-year-old woman in the bank? She just she lives, I think it's in Texas, where there is no mask mandate. She is maskless in a bank. And the security in the bank wrestles her to the floor and handcuffs her for not wearing a mask in the bank. There will always be those among us who will use fear as an excuse to cross lines. Those people are usually politicians. Because politicians are empowered by emotion. Which pushes people to give them more power and control and more money to spend more of your money to spend. And fear, fear of this virus has been a powerful thing for the political class. They used it last year to change the foundation of the election process in the name of protecting Americans from the virus. It gave, they, they, regardless, if as, as I spoke of yesterday, regardless of the law, changed the process in state after state after state of how we vote and how we secure our vote in the name of protecting the people. It was all for your safety to protect you from COVID-19. They ignored the Constitution. They broke federal and state laws in order to protect you from the coronavirus. Well, that's what they said they were doing. What they were actually doing was using your fear of the coronavirus to their political advantage so that they could change the way an election works so they could win. That is what they did. And today, they continue to play the fear card. And last Thursday, we watched Joe Biden tell America that if it, if it was nice, if it was a good boy, If it was a good girl, if you're good kids, 
then maybe your family can have a, 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 a get-together on the 4th of July. How dare you? Exactly. How dare you? How dare you assume that you can abridge our rights? How dare you assume that you can tell us what we can and cannot do? How dare you? Governor Ron DeSantis, the other day, spoke up. He blasted President Joe Biden's threat of potentially reinstating a a coronavirus shutdowns. Now, in light of what we have just been through, talking about asymptomatic spread, talking about the the incidence, uh, the the low instance of any of this being, being actually something to be concerned about, in that light, when you think about the you think about inst- reinstituting shutdowns it becomes more obvious that what this is is just a power play governor DeSantis promised he would not put the sunshine state back in coronavirus pandemic lockdowns you see during his uh, biden's address to the nation on the 1 year anniversary of the start of the covid-19 pandemic lockdowns the president warned that the united states could reestablish shutdowns if america if americans don't stay vigilant He said, unity is what we do together as fellow Americans. Because if we don't stay vigilant and the conditions change, then we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track. (gasps) Ooh, scary. And then he lowers his voice and leans in and says, please, we don't want to do that again. We've made so much progress. This is not the time to let up. Just as we were emerging from a dark winter into a hopeful spring and summer is not the time to not stick with the rules. Rules that, by the way, we have learned have been bogus, unnecessary, overreaching, and in most cases, illegal. DeSantis said during a press conference in Florida, by the way, he was one of the first U.S. governors to reopen his state. He said, to even contemplate doing any type of lockdown honestly is insane. Any type of lockdown honestly is insane. Then he promised the residents and businesses that he's not going to close the state because of the COVID-19 pandemic. He said, that's not going to happen in the state of Florida. We're going to continue doing what works. But under no circumstances would we entertain anything of the sort. DeSantis also declared that the age for eligible recipients of the coronavirus vaccine would uh, decrease to age 55 this month. He said, "We'll we'll be doing 55 this month for sure. He didn't provide an exact date. The age for vaccine recipients will drop to age 60. Actually, it did that yesterday. Previously, DeSantis ripped Biden last month over his coronavirus hypocrisy of floating a potential domestic travel ban on the state of Florida while simultaneously welcoming untested migrants, immigrants at the U.S. southern border. DeSantis labeled Biden as a lockdowner. Did you miss that, though, that that President Biden had kind of floated that out there. Hey, we may have to suspend. Uh, we may have to have a travel ban on the state of Florida because they're they're living dangerously down there. And I, I've actually read in social media posts by people who say, "Well, Florida is a dangerous place to be. It's going crazy there." Well, actually, it's the opposite. I've watched YouTube videos. I've told you about this couple in the Orlando area that. They, they're basically they're making their living off of YouTube now and have been for several years. 
they, and what they do is they just explore tourist destinations and, uh, they are constantly, they, they're fretting over social distancing in the theme parks. They're fretting over mask wearing in the theme parks. They're fretting over safety measures. But we're learning that contrary to what the CDC is telling us, a lot of those measures aren't necessary, as we discussed in the previous segment. It's all about fear and controlling people. Oh, you got to trust the science. So where are you getting the science? Oh, from the CDC. Well, what about all the reports that contradict what the CDC is doing? Oh, we got to have some centralized, organized, central point to trust. And the, the CDC is a good one to trust. I mean, they're looking out for our best interest. Well, how do you know that? Well, be, be, because the president said so. Hmm. How do you know he's telling you the truth? Well, the president wouldn't lie. Oh, Really? A man who has spent nearly 50 years in politics and has been caught lying many, 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 many times, who seems to not be able to go without lying any time he opens his mouth in front of cameras? Hmm. <sighs> Biden was also slammed for telling Americans they might be allowed to gather in small groups by the 4th of July, as I mentioned before. The audacity is just amazing. The, the, the arrogance is just amazing. And the delivery last Thursday night was insulting. I, if, if my TV didn't cost so much, I would have been throwing things at it. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I waited a long time to get that TV. I'm not going to ruin it just because I'm mad at, at lying Joe Biden. But the fact that they're lying to the people that they're manipulating the people with fear just makes me, it makes me angry. I've just got to be honest with you. It makes me angry. When you manipulate and control people that way, one day you will answer for it. And when you answer for it, it's not going to be nice. It's not. My friend Scott posted on Twitter this morning, there are many things that make me lose my cool. The innocent being killed, the less fortunate being manipulated, the wise acting like a fool, the wicked being celebrated, and Christians staying silent in society. And I agree. Now, Scott's an evangelist, so his conclusion of that is to share Jesus now. I don't disagree. But I would also say, we should be talking about the truth. The truth. Not the politically convenient, and not the scientifically suspect, but the truth. And more and more we are learning that what we're being told by the government and by the government's agencies is not necessarily the truth. Fortunately, there are people like Governor DeSantis in Florida and Christy Noem in South Dakota and others who have been wise enough to buck the trend and to do what's right for their people. And hopefully, there will be enough sanity restored to the United States of America that we can actually live normal lives without people tackling us in the bank and handcuffing us 
for being free people. I think I told you the story about going to the vet a few weeks ago. I have an anxious dog. Princess Kimber, the wonder dog. She's going in for a dental cleaning. I've got to leave her overnight because of our schedules. We can't get there early in the morning. So I take her in. I've got her all up. She's she's already anxious. So I'm doing what I can to calm her and comfort her. And I don't even think about putting my mask on as I get out of my car. It's in the pocket of my jacket. And I walk in. I, I'm, in I'm at the front desk. I'm checking in. And it looks like a bank. There's tall plexiglass sheets all over the place. Everybody in the place is wearing a mask for their protection. And for mine, I guess. And bossy girl across the way looks up at me and says, Sir, do you have a mask? She is 12 feet away from me, at least, asking if I have a mask, and I have my hands full of anxious dog. And it occurs to me, yeah, my mask is in my pocket. So I responded, yes, I do, and reached into my pocket and held up my mask and put it back in my pocket again. There will always be those among us who feel like they have to boss the rest of us around. Sadly, we pay a lot of them and send them to Washington, D.C. That's it for today. God bless you. Have a good one. We'll see you back here tomorrow for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, we're, uh, we're done.